From the Lean Enterprise Institute in Boston, this is the WLEI Podcast, where we share stories of people making the world better through lean thinking and practice. For more information about LEI, including how we can help you apply lean thinking, please visit lean.org. I'm Matt Savas, host of What's the Problem, a WLEI podcast where we talk about problems. LEI has learned that successful lean transformation begins with a problem to solve. So that's what we're here to talk about, problems, from defining them to solving them. Let's get started. Today, I'll be talking to Matt Lovejoy, chairman of Lovejoy Industries and LEI board member. Matt, alongside former LEI executive John O'Donnell, has been spearheading a new initiative here at LEI, the James P. Womack Scholarship and Philanthropy Fund, informally referred to as the JPW Fund. The fund is a countermeasure to the problem LEI has been trying to solve since its creation. How do we create more lean thinkers? The fund partners with universities and charity organizations to provide students hands-on problem-solving experience at mission-driven Gemba under the guidance of an LEI coach. You can learn more and donate at jpwfund.org. All right. Hello, everyone. And uh, I'd like to welcome to the podcast Matt Lovejoy, chairman of Lovejoy Industries and LEI board member. So uh, thanks for joining us here today, Matt. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Before we dive into the fund, could you tell us about your background as an entrepreneur and lean thinker? Yes, thanks, Matt. Uh, So I... My father is a product of the Great Depression. Uh, was a World War II era gentleman, uh, and uh, found after the war he founded a tool and die shop, and uh, was rather successful at that and many other business ventures that came after that. And so I grew up in an environment where <clears throat> you had to pave your own way, run your own business, uh, try very hard not to work for other people. And so I followed that model. Uh, as soon as I finished college, I went to work for a big corporation for about six months and then left and started my own business, my first business when I was 21, and have never worked for anyone since in the formal setting or the formal understanding of what it means to work for someone. Uh, so if you grow up in that environment and you believe in individual responsibility and grit and hard work and all that sort of thing, then you kind of get migrated toward being an entrepreneur. And when you're successful, you start thinking you're pretty smart, uh, which of course I did think I was pretty smart up until the year 2002. Uh, In 2002, I had taken over the family business and things were just, you know, roaring along, everything was great. And uh, the telecom bubble burst, uh, that was our main industry in my business. Uh, And uh, in in that crash, uh, we lost our main customers. Our main customers were telecom giants and we were kind of left uh, with the emperor had no clothes. And it turns out, of course, I wasn't nearly as smart as I thought I was. Uh, So in 2002, uh, I had heard about lean and I had been coached by some of my customers in particular Milwaukee Electric Tool, one of our bigger customers, and they were trying to get me to adopt these lean notions. And of course, being a genius and being smart and smarter than everyone else, I categorically ignored their uh, recommendations uh, until we hit a brick wall. So uh, lamentably, my exposure to lean and my zeal for lean uh, didn't come until I had a burning platform. 
which uh, very regret regrettably a lot of companies don't start a lead journey until they're in big trouble so that, that's and guilty as charged so I read lean thinking uh, <clears throat> I read it again uh, it changed my life and uh, I went and talked to that gentleman from Milwaukee Electric Tool and he agreed to take me under his wing and he suggested that I try and get to know people at LEI uh, which in 2002 was a younger organization than it is today and for reasons I'll never understand uh, Dr. Womack uh, seems to have taken pity on my business and actually uh, lent a hand at, uh, at, at exposing me to other businesses, exposing me to other opportunities, uh, deep learning about lean. And so, as I say, it changed my life and uh, it, it certainly saved my business. So there's absolutely no question about it. I did have to apologize to my mother and father for uh, all the money they had spent and my fancy expensive education because I realized when I was uh, 40 years old that uh, that education was uh, misguided. Well, that's a nice segue into what we're here to talk about. The problem you're trying to solve is how do we create more lean thinkers? And you and John O'Donnell have spearheaded a countermeasure called the JPW Fund to do just that. Uh, can you go ahead and introduce us to what exactly this is? The formal name of the program is the James P. Womack scholarship and philanthropy fund and it's an idea that's been bouncing around for several years at LEI. Uh, I was very flattered about six years ago to be invited to sit on the board of directors of the Lean Enterprise Institute and we had bounced this idea back and forth for several reasons uh, but the principal reason is is that we believe at LEI that there are four main components to achieving a lean enterprise. Uh, and I'll go through the first three very briefly and then focus on the fourth one, which is our charge and our uh, goal at the JPW Fund. We want to ask ourselves as an enterprise whether we have a process in place to gain agreement on what's important. So that's the first of the four. Uh, the second is, do we have a process in place to solve problems, make proposals, manage projects? The third is whether we have a process in place to standardize our work. So the fourth one is uh, we ask ourselves whether we have a process in place to bring people along in this way of thinking. And this is the focus and the energy that goes behind the idea of this JPW fund. What we found is that most of the lean training, lean learning uh, that's done in the world is rework. It is imposed upon people by consultants, uh, and coaches, and their exposure comes later in their careers. Whether the company that's on a lean journey or the enterprise that's on a lean journey does so from a burning platform or has a strategic goal to have a, a lean journey, generally speaking, the people associated with those businesses don't have a background in lean thinking. They just haven't had exposure to it. So in addition to trying to improve the world through the implementation of lean and, and teaching people the precepts of lean, we also feel that it behooves us to drive that learning and engagement earlier in people's lives. It's difficult in a business where you've got people, let's say, that are in their 40s 
who've been pretty successful, and you sit them in a room and say, okay, we're all going to look in the other end of the telescope now. We're going to redo the way we uh, think through things. We're going to teach you about problem solving and that sort of thing. So we believe that a younger mind is more nimble and more likely to be, to, to be uh, enlightened. Uh, so that said, uh, we sat down and said, you know, what is the current state in terms of opportunities for young people to learn about lean, deep learning about lean? Mm -hmm. And what we found, Matt, is there's actually very few. Mm -hmm. uh, there's very few formal programs that, that are centered around lean uh, in this country. Uh, I would say, based on my research, because I've now spent the last seven months trying to uh, reach out to various places, uh, there's, there's two that stand out. One is the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, and the other one is Oakland University, which is in Rochester Hills, Michigan. There are others who are making a, a valiant effort to try and add lean to their curricula. Uh, oftentimes, it's a, a mixture of lean and Six Sigma, uh, which is a topic for a different podcast. Uh, but of course, we have a more uh, lean orientation in our way of thinking. And I'll give a quick... Um plug to, uh, I was fortunate to go to a graduate school, a business school, uh, Eisenberg School of Management at UMass Amherst, where Dr. Alan Robinson, the professor of the operations course, um, taught sort of an introduction to lean thinking, but then asked students, not asked students, told students to go out and apply it. And so assigned to a project, in my case, it was a small farm and ice cream shop out in Amherst, Massachusetts. Go figure out how to apply the thinking of the classroom to the real world Gemba. And for me, that was a, uh, it, it in a lot of ways changed my life uh, for the better. Uh, that and reading lean thinking over, over Christmas break of that, uh, school year, I read Lean Thinking and the Machine That Changed the World, and uh, in combination with Dr. Robinson's class, I uh, concluded that uh, this is uh, the most valuable uh, part of my business education I will receive. I need to go pursue this, which is how I found myself at uh, the Lean Enterprise Institute. But um, so you're trying to uh, partner with universities, in this case uh, an organization, Oakland University, to provide that opportunity to students. Give them the opportunity to go and take what they're learning in the classroom and apply it at the Gemba. But not just any Gemba. You're choosing socially driven organizations. Um, so maybe we can talk about those two entities for a little bit more background. So Oakland University, why why Oakland University? Well, Oakland University is a uh, component of the Michigan State University system. Uh, it's a school that's uh, not terribly famous, but uh, actually has 19,000 students. Uh, it's a school where the vast majority of their graduates end up living and working within a 50 mile radius of the school. The vast majority of the students already work full-time somewhere else, so most of their training is done at night, their learning is done at night. Uh, and they had an amazing benefactor, a gentleman named Dennis Pauley, who went to Oakland, uh, wound up on the trustees, board of trustees of Oakland University, uh, and graduated, interestingly, in HR, 
went on to become, after many years with many different car companies, went on to become the director of manufacturing worldwide for Chrysler. And uh, Mr. Pauly reported directly to Lee Iacocca, the iconic uh, leader of Chrysler. And he, uh, Dennis Pauly that is, came to realize that Lee was a wonderful thing and it was a great thing for the car business. And, uh, and so after his career ended, he got into the consulting business. He sold that consulting firm and then had the wherewithal and the means to write a very large check, very generous check to his alma mater and created the Pauli Lean Institute, which operates within Oakland University. Okay, so yeah, we have the Pauli Lean Institute at Oakland University, and uh, we've identified a couple of students who are now receiving a scholarship funded by the JPW Fund to go ahead and apply, apply the learning that they're getting in the classroom to a Gemba, the Gemba that uh, they're working at, mission-driven Gemba called Humble Design. What is Humble Design? What, what problem are they trying to solve? So in, after several years of deliberating this, this scholarship and philanthropy fund, uh, sat down with four people, myself, James Womack, Jose Fejo of the Lean Institute Brazil, and John O'Donnell, the former COO of LEI. Uh, and we were crafting how we would go about doing this. And mm. the census was, uh, that, of course, all learning is done by doing the work at the GEMPA. Uh, and Jim Womack wanted very much to make sure that any effort we put forth would actually benefit society. Mm -hmm. so he came up with this catchphrase, which is a paraphrase of Poor Richard's Almanac, uh, where he said, why don't we just do good by doing good? And uh, <laughs> that caught on as a is a clever idea, and so we attached a condition uh, to our uh, funding of scholarships, uh, and that is that the GEMBA would be a community-based service organization. And having said that, uh, that uh, uh, targeted our uh, improvement work, our GEMBA-based work, to a local charity. In the case of uh, Rochester Hills, Michigan, there's one located in Pontiac, uh, named Humble Design, which you mentioned. So Humble Design was founded by a woman who uh, saw a need in society to create a bridge between those people who were recently homeless and those that transitioned into a home environment, whether it be an apartment or a house or whatever. So she discovered that uh, when people transition from homelessness into a new home environment, that they don't have any. They don't have dish towels, frying pans, much less furnishings, beds, and that sort of thing. So what she did is she reached out to the design community in the Detroit area. And by the way, there are now four Humble Design locations, San Diego, Chicago, Seattle, and Pontiac. And she reached out to designers in that area and said, if we can bring furnishings in to a, a distribution center, and we could then send designers out to people that have recently been placed in a new home environment. Can we design uh, a new environment uh, that's comfortable and safe? It focuses on these folks who've uh, recently been placed and help them decorate their homes. And the answer was yes. So she started this program, I think about 11 years ago. And, uh, 
And so they've placed well over a thousand families now just in the Pontiac Detroit area. Uh, and currently at the pace of three per week, uh, where they receive donations uh, from people who are doing remodeling and, hmm. and uh, moving and that sort of thing. They donate their furnishings, they donate all sorts of things, blankets and pillows and dish towels and frying pans, and furnishings more so than just furniture. And Humble Designs decorators will go out, they'll meet with the, with the recipient family uh, they'll try to understand their living situation. Uh, they focus primarily, or they put their priority on families with kids. Hmm. Uh, and then they go back to their distribution center, they pull out the material, and they try to make sure that it matches well to the best of their ability. It sounds like an amazing organization, trying to help people have a smooth transition. Not just a smooth transition, but um, making people feel like they're entering a real home, coming out of homelessness. So you now have a couple of students who are at Humble Design helping this organization fulfill their mission of helping the homeless transition successfully to a better life. And uh, maybe we can go ahead and find out who, who are these students. So the students were identified by Oakland University mm -hmm. uh, as superstars. and. Uh, students who had been through a lot of the lead curriculum that Oakland offers and mm. they were energetic and wanted to do more Gamba-based work. And so Oakland identified them. Uh, Oakland was also critical in identifying uh, Humble Design as a willing participant. There's four groups involved in trying to get this work done. One is the school, mm. another one is the, the community-based service community. Uh, the third one is the Lean Enterprise Institute, and the fourth and, of course, most important are the students. Mm. And, uh, in this case, the Lean Enterprise Institute has a faculty member in that area, a fellow by the name of Matt Zako, and Matt is providing coaching uh, for the students and for Humble Design, along with the staff at Oakland University, who is also providing coaching for the students and for Humble Design. So it's a very collaborative effort mm. uh, to Try and understand what Humble does. Try and uh, engage in, no pun intended, Humble inquiry uh, with them. And there's a woman named Laura Corp, who is the operations director at that facility, uh, who's been very receptive and wonderful to work with and uh, has uh, exercised the humility to admit that there are opportunities for things to get better. Okay, so two superstars working alongside an LEI coach, in this case, Matt Zako. Uh, the students, uh, Monisha Vasudeva and Sagar Bajaj, are at the Gemba helping Humble Design improve the delivery of their mission. You said something pretty striking earlier when we were talking before we started this podcast that um, one of the leaders at Humble Design, uh, they happen to be working in the warehouse, uh, came uh, to work one day and said that she used to come to work thinking about all the things that they cannot do and now she started to come to work thinking about the things that they can do so what is it about the work that Sagar, Monisha and Matt are doing at Humble Design that has led to that I mean pretty dramatic transformation in in mindset uh, I think she attributes that 
uh, to changing the focus away from walking in every day, putting out fires and dealing with the chaos associated with heroic management to realizing that she has uh, at her disposal now uh, resources who are focused on improvement. And if you focus on improvement, you can see what possibilities are. You can look out to the future and realize that things can get better. Uh, and so there's been a certain amount of uh, forced time that she's been, uh, forced isn't really the right word, Matt, Matt but um, She's been, there's enough tension to uh, have her focus time on improvement thinking, but also in conjunction with resources that have been made available by the university, by Matt Zako, and by these two graduate students. And these are resources that she did not have at her disposal previously. Uh, so she attributes the, the focus she's able to put on improvement to the fact that it's also backed up with some resources. And what we hope to accomplish at Humble Design is to is twofold. Uh, the, the first is whatever issues we're looking at or problems we're looking at might gain some improvement. And of course, improvement's always a good thing. Uh, but more importantly, what we want to do is develop people into a way of thinking about deselecting uh, problems, understanding what's important, thinking through a Socratic method of problem solving. Uh, doing, doing so in a very egalitarian way, involving the people who actually work uh, in a blameless environment. We don't ask the five who's, we ask the five why's. Uh, and I think that Oakland, and Oakland University is a, is a great backdrop for this, and I think Humble Design is uh, very much interested in improving their value proposition to their clients. And um, so there's been a transformation already occurring at Humble Design, what you just described there. But from the student's perspective, um, so again, Monisha and Sigar are the two students who are working there. It's still pretty early. It's only been a couple of months since they've started working. Um, but have you seen um, their thinking change or development in uh, their capability? occur even over these first couple of months. But once you are able to actually apply these concepts and notions to a real environment where you have real people that have real opportunities to improve, uh, it, it builds people up. It, it expands their horizons and uh, you know, allows them to see how the, the, the training that they've had previously in a classroom setting can be applied to a real world environment. And of course, helping a charity with a noble cause, which Humble Design has, uh, is very heartwarming. So there's purpose to their mission. Uh, they're very engaged in what they're doing. Humble Design has been great in uh, granting them exposure to the, to the facilities and to the work there. In the case of uh, Monisha and Cigar, uh, the JPW Fund is paying them uh, internship work. So the time they're spending on the ground at Humble Design is a paid internship, uh, and that's the way we're funding them for this work. So they also make, get to make a few bucks. You know, this podcast, it's called What's the Problem? And so far we've been talking about a high-level problem. Uh, how do you create more lean thinkers? But uh, I think it's worthwhile also asking about maybe a more micro-problem. At Humble Design, can you uh, maybe walk us through an example of a problem that uh, they've been working on there? Yes, I'd be happy to. So... Uh, Humble Design is bringing in a lot of donated material 
which is not an entirely predictable thing. Uh, they do afford some lead time. Uh, they don't just have trucks backing up to the shop, but they and so they have an understanding of what's coming in, but they're not in control of it. And they have a very delicate balance between what they'll accept and what they won't accept. They don't mean to sound ungrateful, but they don't want somebody pulling up with a bunch of old horrible furniture that's all worn out and stained and all that sort of thing. So they have to discern that, uh, which is a challenge in and of itself, but there's not necessarily a balance of what's coming in with what's going out. And they have a limitation currently on three homes per week, which is a different problem that maybe they'll address in the future. But the current state is they can't necessarily balance those two. And so the distribution center uh, is is uh, very hard to organize and very hard to keep track of what's coming in, very hard to age the inventory, very hard to decide the difference between what they can use and what they can't use. And, uh, and so you kind of get these big dumps of stuff that comes in and there's not necessarily a process in place to keep track of that. Also, they, they determined that there was some uh, quick improvement opportunities to improve safety uh, within the facility. As you can well imagine, uh, furniture coming in is cumbersome, it's hard to handle, it, it doesn't stack well, uh, and, and they have a limited amount of space. Uh, and they don't want to, again, they don't want to seem ungrateful to turn away donations. So, uh, so they have an inventory management problem and they have, also when the designers come back from the interview, uh, the designers want to make sure they try and have a coordination of what they're putting into people's homes, coordinate colors, coordinate patterns. And I don't think they want to mix some uh, Scandinavian lamp with <laughs> a table. And I'm no designer, but I get the impression that they'd like a certain continuity to the designs. And so they have to be able to go through and understand what's available. What's available, yeah. So one of the very simple things that they started with is uh, to break everything into categories of A, B, and C. And A was large, cumbersome couches. Uh, B was more end tables, chairs, and that sort of thing. And C is small things like dish towels and blankets and pillows, and that sort of thing. And so they're just trying to uh, make a simple system that everybody can understand because remember, uh, this, like many organizations, charitable organizations, deal a lot with volunteers. And so the volunteers have to have very powerful visual aids. We want the volunteers to understand uh, the difference between normal and abnormal very quickly so that there's not a whole bunch of tribal knowledge and unique teaching that has to be retaught to the, to the volunteers as they usher in now. So quite a few problems there. So uh, everything from space constraints, being able to find things easily, not just find things, but coordinate. So uh, Humble Design is not just trying to set up any kind of home. They're set, trying to set up a, a nice home uh, for people. So being able to find the right thing is important. And then uh, volunteers. Uh, they, there's a lot of turnover. They may not be spending a lot of time there. So how do you help people? Uh, who aren't familiar with the way things are run uh, get familiar with the way things are run very quickly. If you do a tech time calculation, the demand for what they do is 30 a week. Their, their current state is they're able to deliver three homes per week, but they could do 30 uh, if they had the 
wherewithal and the resources and the systems in place to do that. Well, that's a real problem to solve right there. So demand is 30. We can do three. Gap is 27. Right. Well, that's a great problem. It is. Humble Design is going to continue on not just for this semester. They'll go on for one more semester as well. Yes. Actually, what, what I would like is for the JPW Fund, Paul Elian Institute, Oakland University to have a relationship with Humble Design for many years, not just this semester, next semester. It's, and, uh, and of course, in order to do that, we need funding. Uh, we're currently funded through this year, no problem. But uh, we need the uh, the benefits uh, of funding in order to provide these internships and scholarships uh, for students going forward. And so we would like to have a continuity of who we deal with. Uh, obviously, Humble Design would have to decide if they wanted to continue the affiliation, but I think they will at this point. And that means we could go into a very deep dive of how this, uh, this nobly caused charitable organization can implement lots of improvements uh, going forward and it, the longer the term the project the better as far as we're concerned okay so that's a good opportunity to talk about how people can get involved with this and there are a variety of ways to do that but um yeah can you can you tell us about that matt i've spent my whole life as a business person and, uh, and now i am a uh, a fundraiser and so one of the things we need is money and we need the money, uh, which the Lean Enterprise Institute has pledged, will go entirely toward this. There's not an overhead cut and there's not a haircut on this money. Uh, so the money actually goes through the Lean Enterprise Institute, which for 23 years has been a non-for-profit organization. Uh, so we need funding in order to, uh, to further our cause. And uh, the funding is uh, tax deductible. We are a 501c3 uh, organization. And uh, it's pretty easy to give money. You can go to our webpage, which is jpwfund.org, and use PayPal or a credit card. We, of course, also accept cash, checks, and money orders. Uh, and uh, you know, we can assure people that the funds will be used and geared toward providing uh, educational funds for these students. People are able to contribute money at jpwfund.org. Uh, but also, you're still actively looking for some new partners out there, both on the education side and on the uh, mission-driven GIMBA side. Is that right? Yes, we don't have any limitations associated with this. We're very eager to spread this out in other sites. Uh, we are working currently with two higher education organizations, which we hope to have up and running by uh, respectively January and April of 2020. Uh, and we look forward to signing up as many schools as we possibly can. Also reaching deeper into the, or, 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 or further down in the education system in terms of age, uh, we don't mind one bit working with high schools, vocational schools, community colleges. We think lean and problem solving can be taught at very early ages. Uh, so what we've found is that there's a, a, a cry out there for curriculum that's not offered in some schools. So that's one of our challenges. One of the problems we have to solve is how do we provide a curriculum that might be universally acceptable? Uh, and because the Lean Enterprise Institute does have a point of view about lean. So our goal in the next year is to have three schools up and running. Current state, we have one. Okay, so uh, another problem to solve. 
Uh, target is three schools. We currently have one. That's a gap of two. And so, uh, yeah, for those interested in potentially partnering with uh, the JPW Fund and the Lean Enterprise Institute to help solve this problem of creating more lean thinkers, this is the opportunity to do it. And uh, I must say, uh, the combination of providing an opportunity to learn at the Gemba for students with a mission-driven Gemba is pretty awesome. And it was great to hear that story, or the ongoing story, of humble design. Uh, trying to close that gap of demand is 30, current capability is 3. So there's a lot of opportunity uh, to continue making uh, you know, dramatic difference in a lot of people's lives. I guess I'll echo your words one more time and just say please contribute. Head over to jpwfund.org and uh, help us serve this great mission of creating more lean thinkers and in the case of humble design helping more folks enter a better home. I'd like to thank Matt Lovejoy for joining me here for the past uh, 40 minutes or so. Uh, any last words, Matt? No, I just think that, uh, that LEI has fulfilled its mission for these 23 years at, at trying to spread the word about lean, trying to improve the world through lean concepts and lean precepts. Uh, and uh, that mission needs to continue on in the future because it works. Lean works. And uh, the more people we enlighten and the more people we get into this way of thinking, the better off the world will be. Let's rework. Get right from the start. Thanks again, Matt, for uh, joining me here on the podcast. And uh, let's hope a lot of people listen to this and a lot of people contribute to uh, the great work that uh, you've been leading for us. And uh, thank you for taking the lead on that. Uh, we expect it to lead to, or we hope it leads to great things. So thanks again. My honor. Thank you. Thanks again to Matt Lovejoy for sharing the great start to the JPW Fund. To learn more, donate, or inquire about partnering, head over to jpwfund.org. Thanks as always to Emma Ripp and Lori Moniz, producers of WLEI, and thanks to you for tuning in. And if you have a problem you're tackling and willing to share, shoot us an email at pod at lean.org.